Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. My name is JJ, and alongside my wife Liz, we have the honor and privilege of serving as pastors. It really is the, the, the I said it already, the honor and privilege of our life. It's so It's so great. Uh, last Sunday, we actually celebrated four years uh, as a church, and so this is the beginning of year five, and we're going to get it off started right. And so... Um, to all of our first-time guests, I know we did it once already, but if you're not looking for a home church, we believe if you're looking for a home church and you don't have one, we believe you found it. Trinity Church, will you put your hands together? Help me welcome all of our first-time guests. Amen. Also, keep it going for our online church right now that's watching online. Amen. In the first service today, I met a couple from Jersey, and they have a small group in their house that meets every morning in Jersey, and they have Journey Church in New Jersey. And so um, I think it's exciting. We're grateful uh, for the influence and what God has done in, in, uh, in our community. How many people signed up for a small group this past week? Come on, make some noise if you're in a small group. Amen. Well, hey, if you haven't yet, you still have an opportunity to. You can sign up for a small group whenever. We want to get you in community. We're going to get you around people who love you and are cheering for you and are in your corner and on your side. There's one group, though, that you won't have long to sign up for. This is the last week you can sign up for it because we're starting next week. And it's our Financial Peace University uh, small group. And so um, it's pretty much a small group where we help teach you biblical principles on how to handle your money and how to pay off debt, how to invest, how to shop for insurance. I've been through the class three times, y'all, and not because my money is jacked up, just because I love the class and I, I love the teachings, and I would encourage you. I know there's a lot of people, usually they can't take this class um, because they don't have enough money. There is a tuition. We don't get any of it, but the money goes to the program, Financial Peace with Dave Ramsey, and so um, for this week only, this is the last opportunity we'll have. Listen, Journey Church, if you, if you have been let go, if you have been furloughed, or if you are, if you are just unemployed, um, we have decided that we are going to cover 100% of your tuition to that class, to that small group. And so this is your last day to, to get in there this week, last chance to get in there. We want you to get in there. It's going to be good. And so thank you, Journey Church, for your generosity, because you're the ones that paid for that tuition with your ties and your offerings. And we're so gracious, so grateful to be a part of a, of a generous church. All right, well, you guys ready to hear the message today? Good. I'm excited to preach it. We had a good time in first service. I want to give you a heads up, a warning, a disclaimer. Today is going to be more of a teaching than a preaching. Um, and that, what that means is there might be less shouting. If this is not your first time at Journey, you know I love to shout, love to jump, I love to cartwheel on stage, apparently. Everybody likes to go cartwheel here, here and then. But uh, today I might be a little more reserved and because uh, I, I want to teach today. I want to talk about some theology stuff. And I want, it's not going to be boring. I promise you that. Um, because I was a professor. I don't know if you know this, but before I was a pastor, I was a teacher. And uh, I was a professor of practical theology at Southeastern University. Did that for two years. And okay, I see you in the house. Whoop, whoop. Go fire. And, uh, and I loved the university, loved teaching there. And I loved teaching practical theology because the name is what it implies. It's practical. And so I didn't like studying anything 
whether it be about God or anything, if it wasn't practical, if I couldn't apply it to my life. And what I want to teach you today is something that you can apply, right? I, I just don't like wasting my time learning stuff that I can't use in everyday life. Say amen if you ever took algebra in high school. <laughs> Thank God for my teachers. They did a great job. Um, I have not since then used algebra ever in my life. I'm sure some way, somehow it's blessed me. I don't know how. But... Um, <laughs> I want to preach things that I think are going to help you, that are going to be applicable to your life. And I think that's one of the reasons why I left the classroom in the first place and became a pastor was because I was tired of answering questions that I felt like, no offense, didn't really matter, you know, because they were like weird questions that like, really, is what we're going to talk about right now? And so I became a pastor, but it turns out that when you become a pastor, there's still people (laughs) and these people got questions. And sometimes, man, I'm not, I'm not hurting nobody. I'm not offending anybody. But I, sometimes I get some weird questions. Sometimes you guys ask weird questions. <laughs> and like the day someone asked me, and if this is you, I'm not making fun of you, okay? We're making fun of you, okay? <laughs> and, and he asked me, he said, Pastor, great message. I loved it. I loved all those hands and those people gave their lives to Jesus. Can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. You want to join the dream team? You want to get involved? You want to worship? You want to get in a small group? They're like, my question is, when I die, will my dog be with me in eternity? <laughs> to which I was like, I don't know. It depends. Was he a good dog? Because <laughs> if he was a bad dog, there's a special place in hell. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. That's not, that's not biblical. That's not true. The other question I got was, Pastor, I got a question. I say, yeah. He said, is drinking coffee a sin? I said, why would, why would, why would that be a sin? And they said, well, because technically, caffeine's a drug. To which I said, well, it depends. How do you feel about antibiotics? Because technically, that's a drug. <laughs> well, there's some weird questions, man. But there's one question that I want to answer today. One question that I don't think is weird at all. And I have been getting it ever since things shut down in March. And it is practical because the answer to this question can affect your everyday life. If you got the wrong theology, theology just means study of God. If you got the wrong ideas about God when it comes to this, it can ruin your life. It can steal your peace. It can make you to be anxious. But if you got the right theology, if you got the right study of God about this, it can give you peace. It can give you joy. And the question that I want to answer today is the question I've been getting, is the world ending? <laughs> Now, just so I know I'm preaching a message you want to hear, if you have asked yourself this question at least once in the last six months, say amen. 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 Is the world ending? You know, with everything going on, because I, I saw something on a movie one time, and is, is the world ending? And I'm going to attempt to answer that question with a the, with the story. Um, my wife has been pregnant three times, and each time my wife was pregnant, I knew she was pregnant before the pregnancy test told her we were, that she was pregnant, um, because there were some signs. And the first thing that, that, that changed about my wife was her appetite, uh, specifically her cravings. My wife had this craving for the most random. She had a craving for horchata. Now, if you don't know what horchata is, it is a rice, milk, cinnamon, iced cold drink um, that not many places sell. And we would be out at random restaurants, and she would, like, 
this place obviously doesn't have horchata. And she would be like, I just got a question. Do you sell horchata? I'm like, babe, this is McDonald's. They don't serve the horchata here, okay? We'll get you some when we go home. We'll go to the Mexican store. We'll get you some when we go home, okay? And, uh, and so that was the first thing, her craving. She just had this craving for horchata. The next thing that happened, and most of you women know this, is that the, the body uh, begins uh, to change. Um, you become, women, you become um, more beautiful, more beautiful. Become more beautiful. Uh, you glow, apparently. You glow, and uh, so your body changes, and that's beautiful. This is, baby, you look beautiful. Um, it's good. And then the third thing that would change the third sign is that once her body would change and her belly would get big, uh, my nemesis would come out of the attic. I, I call him my nemesis because I'm a cuddler by nature. Uh, you know, you'll find this out when you marry somebody. The person you marry is either going to want you to stay on your side of the bed or they're going to want you to come over to theirs. I am the latter. I love to cuddle. And, but when my wife's belly started getting big, she, she, would, she bought this body pillow. <laughs> if you're not familiar, a body pillow is a pillow that is the entire length of a human body. It was taller than my wife. And she would put her head on it, then she would take her belly, and she would put her belly on this pillow, and then she would take her legs, and she'd wrap her legs on the pillow, and I'm over there like a single person. <laughs> Just can't touch nobody, can't nothing. Just over there by myself. And I never thought that I could uh, hate an inanimate object that much. And, and I sure did. I hated it. And for those last trimesters of all of her pregnancies, that body pillow was my, my, my I hated him. I just hated him. And uh, I'll never forget our last pregnancy when we knew for sure that, that we were done. Um, I was like, are you going to need uh, this body pillow anymore? And she was like, no, I don't think I'm going to need it. I was like, can I throw it out? She said, yes. I said, I'll do it. And I got in the body pillow, and I went out, and I threw that thing in the trash, and I was like, it was never you. It was always me. It was always me. You were temporary, sucker. I'm here. You're gone. What I'm trying to say is, at the same time, we had those signs. We also had a due date. Now, if you've ever been pregnant, you know you could just take that due date and throw it in the garbage, okay? There is nothing about that due date that is going to tell you when you are due. It is a guess. It is an estimation. It is not accurate. And, and here's, here, is, here is my point. Not even the doctors can tell you. They'll tell you to do it, but they don't know for sure when the baby's coming. Here's how I can tell you. Is it the end of the world? Is the world ending? I don't know. Nobody can tell you the date. But if I'm just looking at the signs, I tell you, I think we're in the third trimester right now. And that's not me who said it. Jesus said exactly the same thing in Matthew chapter 24. But about that day or hour, who knows? No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. And then he gives some signs. And then he says, and all these signs are the beginning of what? Birth pains. If I'm just studying the Bible, and I could do a whole teaching on this, 20, 30 signs, but I won't because we don't have all the time. I will tell you, it, I don't know when, but it's coming and it's coming soon. We are in the third trimester. Now, how do you apply this to your everyday life? And how does this information affect you? Do you become a doomsday prepper? If the world is ending, do you cash out all your stocks? Build a bunker in your backyard? Get off the grid? Start eating canned food and canned food only? Buy a German shepherd? What do you do now that you think 
the world is ending. I'd like to share with you Jesus's approach because it will surprise you when you hear how Jesus tells us to approach the ending. Luke chapter 21, verse 28. And when these things begin to take place, curl up in a ball and cry. That's not what your Bible says? That's not what's on the screen? My bad. Hold on. Uh, grab a bucket and vomit. That's not what your... My bad. Oh, reading the, I'm reading the crazy person version. Um, this one says, and when these things, the end time things, begin to take place, stand up and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. Now, that response freaks you out if you've ever seen a movie on the end times. Because if you've seen a movie on the apocalypse, then you're looking for a meteor, you're looking for a tsunami. Depending on your preference in movies, you might be looking for zombies. But you got a bad, like, this ain't that. That's not how you should be thinking about the end. In fact, I, the only ride my sons have never been on at Walt Disney, at Disney World, and they've been on all the rides, on all the parks, the only one they've never been on is Haunted Mansion. And the only reason they've never been on Haunted Mansion is because the ride is called Haunted Mansion. They saw one scary movie at their Nana's house. Now they're not allowed to go back anymore. And because of one scary movie, if anything's scary, they don't want nothing to do with it. And I'm trying to convince them. I'm like, guys, if you would just get on the ride with me, you would see that this is not what you think it is. You're going to laugh. This is going to bring you joy. You're going to really enjoy this ride. This is fun. This is not that scary. No, I don't want to go. It's haunted. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I know you have your ideas. I know you have your thoughts. I know you've been taught. I know you've seen the movie. But if you would just suspend everything you've been taught on this topic for the next 20 minutes and just get on this ride with me through the scripture... I promise you will never see this the same way again. You with me? Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 5. I promise you this is going to be the most encouraging message you have heard all year for me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Right there, we could pause. The end of the world is not a demolition. It's a renovation. It's a renovation. A new heaven and a new earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Look at verse 4. I know it tells me not to cry, but I cry every time I read it. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. Are you ready for the title of my message? Here it is. The Renovation Revelation. The Renovation Revelation. Because sometimes the best way to handle the present is to remind yourself of what your future holds. The only way I got through my senior year of high school, because I had that senioritis and I was dying to get out there, was thinking about walking across, you know, my family and everything. It was graduation that got me through that. Are you following me? Thinking about my future got me through my present. The only thing that helped me finish my 50 to 60 page thesis paper for my master's degree in college was was knowing that a diploma was on the way and my name was going to change, you know, MDiv or whatever at the end of it. And I was kind of into that. And so I was like, that's worth this. Listen, the only thing that got me through wedding planning and all of the cake testing and the tuxedo fitting and the walking through eight or nine different hotels until we found the spot. The only thing that got me through planning for the wedding was preparing for the honeymoon. Come on, somebody. 
I had to look forward <laughs> to get me through today. When we had our first kid, Liz was in labor for, with justice for over 24 hours. The only thing that got her through that, it wasn't me. I tried. She was like, you did this time. Get out of here. The only thing that got us through that, that got her through that, was knowing that at the end of all that pain, there would come a child, a baby. Are you seeing this? And so I want to give you three reasons that we need to look towards the future with anticipation. And here's reason number one. If you're taking notes, write it down. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven, y'all. This is good news. Like really, 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 really good news. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. You know what I get from that? That the end is not the end. That all of our family members, that even us, when we go to be buried or cremated or however it works, that the end is not the end. That the end is just the beginning of our best life ever, of our best life gift. That's heaven. The end is not the end. That's why I said we don't want you to be misinformed. There's a lot of misinformation going on around this time. The end is not the end. After that, when Jesus comes back to earth and the dead rise, after the dead rise, we, will, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the cloud. So they go first because they've been waiting a long time. <laughs> and then after they go, we go, we meet Jesus in the air. By the way, this is how we know the end has not come yet because we're still here, guys. The Bible says that the end comes after we leave the earth as believers, as people who follow Jesus. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to have an opportunity at the end, but you got to understand what we believe and where our hope comes from. Okay, so, so you don't have to worry. Is the world ending right now? It's not because you're here. The church is not going to be here for that. But now, if you come back next Sunday and everybody's gone, <laughs> check yourself. I can't tell what happened. I thought, imagine you do that, then you find out we just moved to another location. But. <laughs> You'd be like, the doors are locked. Jesus came back. No. Shouldn't have drank that hard mics. <laughs> Lemonade. <laughs> the dead go, then we go to be with the Lord forever. And look at verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is supposed to encourage you. The people were going through tough times. And, 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 and the apostle wanted to show people, Paul wanted to show people, I know you're going through tough times, but let me tell you how this all ends. We end up in heaven with Jesus, whether you are dead or alive. Peace is on the way. It's coming. In fact, they had a word for this. They had a word for this. This word was called Maranatha. It's Aramaic. And what it means is, Lord, come, Lord, come. Ooh, come, Lord, come. And they would say it. They would say it at the end of prayers, and they would say it when they greeted people, which is interesting, because if you go to Jerusalem today, they carry a lot of the same practices from Jerusalem in the Bible. One of the practices that they carry is when they say hi to you, they don't say hi. You know what they say? Shalom. Shalom. I didn't know much Hebrew, so when I went to Jerusalem, I used all the words that I knew. They were all Bible words. I was like, shalom, hallelujah. Adonai, you know, like there's all the Bible verses. But the Jewish believers, when they became Christian, they wanted to separate their identity from their Jewish uh, counterparts. And so instead of greeting people with shalom, which means peace, peace be with you, they changed it. You know what the word they used to say hi to people? Maranatha. 
Because for them, peace comes in the revelation that Jesus is going to come back and restore everything to its rightful place. Maranatha, I'm just trying to give you a new word to say when you get pissed. I'm honest, because you got some four-letter words. So I want to exchange your four-letter words for a four-syllable word. Maranatha. So the next time you're on the highway and your tire pops, you look out, you ain't got no spare. Maranatha. Come, Lord, come. Next time you get a bill in the mail and it was more expensive than you thought it would be, you open that slacker up. Maranatha. Come, Lord, come, because I am done. Come on, as you get older and your body begins to ache where it never began to ache before, when the color of your hair begins to change, here you start looking in the mirror and don't be like, oh, my God, why am I getting old? Just be like, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I can't wait for it to come back. Listen, heaven is good, y'all. And I I don't want us to be so heavenly focused that we're of no earthly good. Because some people be like, well, if, if heaven is there, then I just got a hall pass on earth. I do whatever I want because, you know, heaven is coming up. And I don't want you to do that. But I want you, I think if we know that heaven is good, we can be earthly focused. Because if we know what the end of the story is, then I don't get distracted by the drama in the meantime. If I know where this thing is headed, then I don't get distracted by viruses. I don't get distracted by vaccines or lack thereof. I don't get distracted by politicians. I don't get distracted by elections. I don't get distracted by wars or rumors of wars. I don't get distracted by earthquakes. I don't get distracted by famines. I don't get distracted by tsunamis. I don't get distracted by wildfires. We help all those things. We are earthly active. We sent money to California to help with the wildfires. We sent money to Australia. We had people go on mission trips. We're doing everything we can to make the earth a better place. We just ain't stressing out about it because we know what comes after it all. Heaven heaven is good and now someone say well jj describe it to me how good is heaven i can't the reason why i can't describe it to you because the bible doesn't say a lot about it in fact the bible speaks more about hell than it does heaven but it's not to scare you god is not in the business of scaring you you know why the bible speaks more about hell than it does heaven theologians believe it's just because there are no words to describe heaven And so to put it in writing, oh, my God, would be to, like, deny it. Like, to bring it down from what it actually were. That's why if you ever read Revelations, it makes no sense. You have a guy who's trying to put into words things that don't remember. It's like, I don't know, it's like the sun, but it's also his face. It's really hard, guys. It's bright, okay? It's really bright. (laughs) Like, he didn't know what he was, he just can't. And so I'm sorry, I can't tell you a lot about heaven, but I can tell you this much about heaven. I've studied the scriptures from front to back. I've I've studied the Hebrew. I've studied the Aramaic. I've studied the Greek. Let me tell you what I know for sure about heaven. Here's what I know for sure about heaven. Heaven is better than Orlando. I know that for sure. I know that for sure. I just want to tell you right now, I don't know what you think heaven is, but it's better than this joint we got going on right here. Right, cheer, I'm telling you. It's way better. Heaven is the end, guys. And it's not the end of the world. It's the end of AIDS. It's the end of cancer. It's the end of sickness. It's the end of disease. Hey, it's the end of bills. Come on, somebody. It's the end of bills. Hey, you know what heaven is? Heaven is the end of construction on I-4. Yes, Lord. Let's go. Somebody asked me, when is it going to end the construction? I said, right here, right then. That's when it ends, when God restores the whole world. That's when the orange cones go away. (laughs) And you know what heaven is the end of? For real, for real this time, heaven is the end of racism. And only then, 
I'm all for the shirts. End racism. Hashtag end racism. I hate to burst your bubble, but as long as humanity is on this world, until this earth is redeemed, there will always be wickedness. There will always be sin. And because there's always wickedness and always sin, there will always be racism. The only hope we have at truly ending racism is going to that special place when we're all alike, when we're all the same, when we're all united, not by the color of our skin, but the God that we serve. That's when it comes to an end. That's when racism ends. That's my hope. That's when it comes. That's when he restores it. This is why Jesus never encouraged his disciples with a better now. I try and do that a lot as a preacher. I try to encourage you with a better now. Like if you do these things in the Bible, like now we'll get better. But I've realized I can't guarantee that. You know that? Like I can teach you biblical principles in the Bible to how to handle your money, but I can't guarantee that you won't have financial struggles. I can teach you in the Bible how to forgive but learning how to forgive doesn't guarantee that you won't have enemies. I can teach you in the Bible how to lay your hands on the sick and pray for them so that they may be healed. But just because you pray for them, that doesn't guarantee that they will be healed. Jesus never guaranteed his disciples a better now. He guaranteed them a better place. And I want to guarantee you the same right now. To the person watching online, I don't know if your hearing is going to come through. I wish I had a prophetic word to share with you can't guarantee you a better now, but I can promise you a better place. I can promise you a better place. And you think, well, why are we talking about heaven? I'm going through stuff right now. Because remembering that, that perspective, that mind shift is what helps you get through now. To know that this is all temporary. You just don't see your problems the same way anymore, guys. That's why they couldn't kill Paul. I mean, they ended up killing him. They ended up beheading him, but they couldn't get him mad. He was in jail, and they were like, Paul, we're going to kill you for preaching the gospel. And Paul was like, would you? <laughs> like, it's in the Bible. He says, he goes, I don't know what's better, to stay or to go. He's like, would you? Because this, this prison is getting real damp. And y'all been serving me the same food every day. I don't want it no more. <laughs> would you do me that favor, please? Like, I'm ready to. This is why all the believers of old are, are Christian forefathers and foremothers and Maybe you're not a Christian, but Christian forefathers. That's why all their songs back in the day, they were all about heaven. All about heaven. That's why some of the most enduring songs that we sing today are really songs that were developed during the years of slavery on the fields. Because you had slaves who could not sing about God's goodness. They could not sing about the now. So when it came time to write their own songs, guess what they wrote about? Not a better now, but a better place. I got some of these songs with me. Because back then, before they had teachers and preachers, they taught people through singing. Theology was taught through worship. And so this song was written by a slave named Wallace Willis. Willis was not his real last name. When, when the slave became liberated, he took on the last name of his owner. Willis was his owner's name. I'm trying to bring you back into that world. And this is the song that he sings. He wrote... Maybe you've heard it. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. And if you get there before I do, coming for to carry me home. Tell all my friends I'm coming to, coming for to carry me on. That was his hope. Home. 
Or maybe this other song, maybe this other song written by Albert Brumley while picking cotton on a cotton field. Here's what he sang about. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Sorry, Puff Daddy didn't write that. It's Albert Brumley. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. Cause I'll fly away. It was Louis Armstrong who grew up in the ghetto with no father, spent time in prison, who made popular the song, Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. He's talking about Thessalonians. Oh, how I want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints come marching in. And the number one selling Christian selling song of all time, the best selling Christian song of all time, was written by a man named Bart Millard in 1999 after his father passed away from cancer. But the song didn't make it on the album until 2001 in October, one month after the terrorist attacks in New York City on the Twin Towers. He wrote this song, and it became the best-selling Christian song of all time. Let me know if you recognize it. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk. By your side, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to sing? I can only, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Why do all those songs? Why are all those songs timeless? Why do those songs resonate in every country around the world? Because heaven. I told Jason in the first service, I said, the next song we write has got to be about heaven. People need to know that 2020 is temporary. People need to know that the divorce will not define them. People need to know that whether they're healed or not, good God, heaven, 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 it's the joy, man, it's the, it's the peace, it's the, it's the rest, it's the, he will wipe away every tear from every eye, no more pain, no more hurt, no more crying, no more loneliness, no more rejection. No more emptiness. No more. Just 
just love and acceptance and we get to be with the one who's never turned his back on us. We don't have to pray through the clouds to a priest, through a confession booth. The Bible says that he's going to come down. It's going to be his home. And we're going to spend life. Every family member we've ever lost, every fear we've ever is gone. Is the fear's gone? We get to. But what do I do with this message, Pastor? Oh man, I don't, I don't know that this is something you do. I think this is something you stop doing. You stop worrying. You st- stop, 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 stop worrying about things that don't matter. I don't know how bad it is. I'll bet it's pretty bad. But let me, let me tell you something. It's temporary. Because one day, a voice from heaven will shout, I am making everything new. No more arthritis. No more diabetes. No more dying. Heaven. No, I'm sorry. I live this out. I tell you what, guys. Being a pastor's hard. It's not about me, but I don't know. But one thing that gets me through it all the time is knowing what this is all really about. Eternity. And it makes everything else temporary. Everything else temporary. So I'm, I'm preaching this to myself. I'm not going to worry about things that are out of my control because... Every head bowed, every eye closed. I had two other points, but I'll leave it right here. You're in the room today. And as I spoke about this place, your heart beat, it beat, it beat fast. It beat it fast. Because you're far from Jesus today. All you have to do is put your trust in him. This is our message. This is our sermon. Guys, this is all Journey Church has ever preached. There is a a God who has come to wipe away every tear from your eye. If you put your trust in him, you secure a place for you in heaven. You don't got to be afraid of the end. You don't got to be terrified by this tribulation and this, all that stuff is real. That stuff that you read about in Revelations, that theology that you get from YouTube, which please stop getting your theology from YouTube. All that stuff you see in all those videos, all that stuff is real. But here's what you need to know. It does not apply to the person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. We are saved. I'm going to give you my second point real quick. We are rescued from wrath. We're rescued from wrath. We're rescued from wrath. Can you put the verse on on this real quick? I'll give you this verse. Romans 1. Listen. The wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I read that and I get scared. I don't read that and I go, ha ha, bad people are going to get punished. I don't say that. I go, man, I'm a bad person. This is about me. Who will save me? And look at the next chapter 5 verse 9. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? You know the word saved? Have you ever heard a Christian say, I'm saved? Have you ever had someone ask you, are you saved? This is what they mean when they say the word saved. They mean saved from wrath, from God's punishment. I hate to put wrath and God in the same sentence because if you're an unbeliever today, like if you don't go to church, you hear that and you go, oh, I don't want anything to do with that, with a God who's like that. But God's wrath shouldn't push you away. It should draw you near. It should draw you near. It should draw you closer to him. One last story. You got time for one more story? And then my son, Zane, he, uh, 
he, he, he's a nice guy. <laughs> justice did a bad thing and he had to get punished. And the punishment was chores. Zayn wanted justice to play video games with him. So he said, mom and dad, can I do justice's chores? That way if I do his chores, then he can play with me when he's done with his homework. And so I said, ah, but that's not, that's really nice of you. Go ahead and do it. The next day, Zayn did something bad and he had to do chores. And he said, that's not fair. I did justice's chores yesterday. <laughs> and now I got to do these because I was bad. And I tried to tell him, no, it is fair. Because it, it's not that justice had to get punished. It's that someone had to do the punishment and you chose to do it. Here's the thing about God's wrath. God's wrath doesn't mean you got to be punished. God's wrath means somebody has to be punished. And here's the message that we preach Sunday in and Sunday out, that Jesus said, and I'll be punished. The wrath that we read about in the Bible is why you don't got to be afraid of God. Like in that way, the Bible says to fear him, respect him, but not like, because the wrath of God, it's all been poured out on Jesus. Those nails that he took in his hand, the crown that he put on his head, the whips, the spear, all of that, that was him taking God's wrath for you and for me. God's wrath doesn't make him mean. When you understand it, like I'm trying to explain it to you today, God's wrath makes him merciful. God, thank you for me. And you know how you can apply that to your life? Just gratitude. Every morning you wake up, you got joy because you know you're saved. No matter what happens, you're saved. But I want to give you that opportunity today. Again, I know I said that a couple of minutes ago, but every head by the rest, for real this time. I want to give you an opportunity to embrace the love of Jesus, to see you in heaven. I want to see you. I want to see you there. One bright morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. I want to see you there. If you're in this room today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've been afraid of God. You've been afraid of this end times deal. You don't have to be afraid. The punishment's been poured out on Christ. We're not here for this, but there is a place for us, heaven. And it's your home and it's my home. And it's time to go back. If you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're far from him. Maybe you served him a long time ago, but it's been months, years, years since you ever prayed. Maybe you've never made this prayer before. I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. I want to count to three. When I say three, if you're in this room and you want a relationship with Jesus, not a religion, a relationship with Jesus. When I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal, as a symbol. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home to heaven. Heaven is my home. On three, if that's you all over this room. One, two, don't worry about people who are looking or thinking all over this room. If that's you, you need Jesus. One, two, three, right now. Right hand up high to the sky. Come on, I see it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 13. Amen. Put your hand down. Thank you so much for having the courage to take that step. Worship team, would you pray this prayer with me? Journey Church, would you pray this prayer with me? If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, I want to go home. I'm tired. Forgive me for my past. I turn to you, Jesus. I give you my life from this day forward. I love you because today I learned you love me first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for 11 people? We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. 
And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.